I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, Bob Mackey, still looking for those placebos. Who is here with me today? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert and you know what? I think I sound like Marge Simpson. That's true. You have a very good Marge. You've been honing your Marge voice very Thank well. Thank you, Bob! <laughs> that is, uh, that's perfect. But uh, yes, in case you have not heard Talk to the Audience before, it is our community podcast. We talk about news that's happening in the Simpsons world and in our world. And then we read your questions and comments from the past month's worth of episodes. And if you're on the Patreon feed, this is the final Talking Simpsons of the month. And if you are on the free feed, it's the first Talking Simpsons of the month. And we have some uh, political news to start with in the Simpsons world. Yes, yeah. Always with the politics. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's start with it because it was the most viral the Simpsons went this it, month, too. Two of these things don't make any damn sense to me. <laughs> uh, you know, it's the one thing we're not talking about currently on the shows is up-to-date political things just because we're recording so far in advance. But, yeah. But you're getting this. We recorded this the day before it goes live on the Patreon. So this is hot takes. Have we recorded a November... Uh, talking simpsons yet i thought we just did yes we have okay. yeah, and we're about to record another so if you're like wow why'd you release the right now we're on track for bart to the future the trump predicting episode to go out on the patreon the day of the wow election. wow so, people uh, are going to be wondering why we're not talking about world war three about mm -hmm. why we're not announcing our next uso show appearance <laughs> <laughs> our impressed into service uh, yeah we'll be asking our guests there like so what do you think about uh, your new enforced service <laughs> uh, but this month was, of course, uh, big news on the politics, including Kamala Harris was announced as the vice president pick for Joe Biden. And, uh, you know, lots of people had opinions on that. And that included Donald Trump's dumb shit campaigner, Jenna Ellis, who said that she thinks that Kamala Harris sounds like Marge Simpson, which is just like, it's not right that's fundamentally incorrect there yes. is absolutely nothing in her voice that sounds anything like julie kavner's marge voice kamala i and also uh, uh, pardon me on the pronunciation i grew up with hearing kamala kamala, kamala said a certain yeah. way i'm trying to retrain you're thinking of the wrestler yeah. by yeah, the way so, r.i.p uh, to R. the other kamala whose last name was also harris that's as well true. yeah uh, but kamala i don't think she sounds like marge at all she has a somewhat high voice i think she has kind of like a wine mom tenor or wine stepmom tenor i guess i should say but but she doesn't sound like marge and marge herself even responded to this because i mean this is kind of the simpsons like snl style strategy of like oh if we're mentioning the news instantly reply which i guess honestly goes back to like 1991 with hw yeah. bush but but here's what marge had to say i usually don't get into politics but the president's senior advisor jenna ellis just said kamala harris sounds like me lisa says she doesn't mean it as a compliment if that's so, as an ordinary suburban housewife, I'm starting to feel a little disrespected. I teach my children not to name call Jenna. I was going to say I'm pissed off, but I'm afraid they bleep it. 
So there you go. It's cute. I mean, I don't really like the have you no decency because of Uh, course they don't. Yeah. (laughs) Also, Marge, you're not doing a good job of preventing your kids from calling names because they do it all the time. It's true. There's countless episodes where it happens. But that is exactly in the same spirit as Bart watching the H.W. Bush speech and saying like, hey, we're hoping we're just like the Waltons. We're hoping for the end of the Depression, too. I'd say Bart's comment uh, way less toothless than uh, be nice. A little bit. yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I guess that pissed off thing at the end That's is a the, little toothy. the classic but, Simpsons edge uh, in that bit but yeah I mean also it just looks weird because it's it's totally like space goes coast to coast it's just old footage of Marge talking from a Halloween special yeah uh, which is like you know Al Jean rock and rolls the voices on everything from since the beginning it's weird though I just noticed in the clip that she's like in front of the classic Halloween red curtain what's at the opening to uh, Frankenstein oh yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a black and white uh, then the establishing shot of uh, sorry the like disestablishing shot because it's leaving the scene is of the house it's like yeah. did she set up this entire like auditorium in the house what's going oh, on boy yeah, it's I, weird I, it also just struck me that like when we're having this conversation about does senator harris sound like marge or not when you hear marge talk i'm just like well, you, you sound a little less it's like marge these days julie so pained she's you know we, we heard her in person yeah she uh, hearing julie kavner in person go hmm yeah that made me laugh so hard that was the big that might have been the biggest laugh of the whole uh table read, i think right? i think she just hit 70 though so uh yes. it's, it's a hard voice to do even when you're in your 30s back when this started and sadly also in simpsons entering into politics uh asshole secretary of state mike pompeo also had a comment like uh while senator elizabeth warren was speaking during the democratic national convention live stream uh she you know had a lot of emotion in her voice and pompeo again compares her to like the whining crying lisa simpson and so he shared a picture of lisa from mr lisa goes to washington of tearing up her speech in anger yeah and uh, bill Which oakley makes the opposite point right yeah i mean bill oakley was notified he's like i'm not going to dignify this with the response he's doing mm-hmm. it again and i didn't quite understand like the article about this by inverse i don't know if they're being like a little cheeky but <laughs> it says uh, pompeo who has used the image before to mock the speaker of the house nancy pelosi was only 28 when mr lisa aired in 1991 it's certainly possible that he could have watched the episode when it aired well yeah of course like yeah uh, why is that in question it was a very popular show is he saying that 28 was too old to watch the simpsons that's what confused me i hate to even imagine mike pompeo at 28 though that kind of brings me down that but he was probably like reading all the conservative newsletters are like the simpsons are bringing mm -hmm. down the american family he's probably dreaming of someday being in the hw bush white house that like in the second term he's like i bet i can get in there in the second term but i mean to it's this is the thing we've brought up multiple times in the scully years of like i really don't like the casting of lisa as the too whiny feminist who never gets her way but he didn't even use a scene from that he used like an actually very good scene of lisa losing her faith in politics because she sees they are all dirty like that's that's why she's tearing up her speech because it inspires her cesspool on the potomac thing i i think i saw yardley dunk on him as well like you don't know shit about lisa kind of thing i feel like especially now satire is like just a useless tool it has Mm -hmm. no purpose it's just the worst (laughs) thing you could ever do because no one's going to get it and it doesn't work and we're beyond it yeah every joke you made is worse by reality there's no heightening like satire is always a heightening of reality reality is heightened 
every like eight minutes <laughs> you can't keep up uh the production time on a satire alone means you can't keep up you know so our next bit of news here is that there was a recent uh, oral history of steam hams and it was published by mel magazine my issue with this not the piece itself but the nature of the internet was i saw this and every article that uh i i thought was the actual oral history was you'll never believe what just was written oh, it's like uh, i fucked up there too yeah then. i'm not blaming yeah, you henry but when bad. i tried to find this every article was an article about it because that's what the internet is that's what we did in the final years of our jobs like hey look at this thing someone else did someone uh, that had time to do their jobs did over there yeah, it's damn. just uh yeah so it's actually a mail magazine piece but like every link to it was like hey check this out over there somewhere okay so then the correct author of it is brian van hooker that's yeah. who wrote it i don't blame you the internet's awful uh, i yeah i and i read the whole thing too but i also forget every website's name because it's just a link through twitter and the only reason i remember a website is if when i click on it it's like oh here came 17 things asking me if i could uh, sign up to uh, allow them to send me notifications sign up for a newsletter and then it's like hey is it okay if we do cookies and it's like fuck yeah you, this is why people turn on ad block can we text but you when we write something new <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, like a lot of this, uh, I mean, I knew the story, not to be like, I know everything, <laughs> but I mean, I knew the story, but it was nice to see it all laid out by Bill Oakley in one place. And the more interesting part was like, here's how the memes grew and like what they've turned into. And it brings me back to like, uh, what a what a glorious time, like was it 2018 when it was fresh yeah. and the world was different and we were just, we were all about the steamed hams. Uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen Oakley give basically the exact same history in, in other places too, but I, I, I appreciated that the writer reached out to multiple people from like know your meme and and all these other places to explain the history of the meme so not just the creation of the article but these things always strike me with just like poor bill oakley that he thought that his uh for years like oh nobody gave a shit about this nobody likes my seasons nobody remembers my jokes and now finally he's like oh people do remember my jokes yay uh, it's always nice to see uh all of those choices justified like 25 years later where he was like nobody got what we did all these <laughs> things died at the table read and people were just questioning us and then like those are the ones that are remembered the most and, much and, later in time and, and also all they were seeing on alt tv simpsons was just like worst episode ever like so they uh i i'm so glad they can finally uh finally be satisfied with that and of course i had to go like i see what you did there of like it has the full C, the full dialogue of it is in, of the sketch, is in the oral history. So it is also an uh, oral history that is steamed ham. So pretty it's, clever. I, Delightfully I, uh, diabolical. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. What if I were to take the steamed ham sketch and pass it off as an oral history? <laughs> uh, so a thumbs up from a fellow content creator, Brian Van Hooker. That was a really good article. And up next, we have uh, Harry Shearer being a bit of a stinker about, uh, you know, the recent news story from, I think, July, where uh, no uh, non-white character will have a white actor portray them. Yes. And, uh, like, I really think, like, if you're going to make this kind of statement, you need to back it up or, like, at least hang around to, like, give me another paragraph. But he was basically just saying, like, well, you know, it's an actor's job to play a character. You have to play someone you're not. But he that's Harry Shearer completely ignoring, like, all of the context for the change. It's like, well, yeah, we're doing it so other actors can have opportunities yeah. not just like white people playing everybody and like harry <sighs> shearer 
he's approaching 80 people. He's 76 years old. Everyone's getting older, set in his ways. I don't think he's a racist or anything. He is just a very, you know, conservative minded guy, even though he's a liberal. And, uh, you know, he's just not with the times anymore. Yeah. And I mean, he's even said like, you know, this isn't like I'll quit the show if I can't voice Dr. Hibbert anymore. That's not what he said. Yeah. He's just like definitely coming from an old school way of thinking like the job is playing someone I'm not is is what he said he also though apparently said like uh whether he thought that uh, this is from the cnn article when asked whether he thought the show's decision was a mistake he said he wasn't opining publicly on that matter and joked we don't get paid by the voice so yeah i mean he he gets hundreds of thousands of dollars either way uh if he is the voice or isn't but he definitely it came off a little like the boomer energy of this is go this is going too far i can yeah. play anything who cares you no, know I'm, I'm a progressive guy but this is going way too far is what the uh, we Very always much hear so, yeah i'm yeah. pretty liberal minded but uh, <laughs> uh but you know i still love harry shear for all the nasty things he says about lord michaels like i gotta i gotta appreciate that but. i'm waiting for him to get to mr burns's original age was like 82 years old that's right yeah and i think simpson and delilah like how shit, old do you think i am simpson i'm only 82 yeah boy he's getting close there <laughs> six more years uh so up next we have a tattoo record was set an australian man uh, set a record for guinness uh 203 simpsons characters on his back and this is not body shaming uh he you need to have a back the size of this gentleman to fit all those characters on because He's essentially got like the classic Simpsons poster on his back, but with the main family members very large in the foreground. He has quite a big back. It's uh, it's a large back that fits a lot of a lot of characters. I I mean, you gotta appreciate that kind of dedication for like a full total back tattoo and in color not just the line work but full color on the characters especially too. after they uh, insulted his country so savagely yeah 25 years ago <laughs> uh, and in me news i'm definitely getting a tattoo when all this is over to like celebrate uh surviving <laughs> and there might be a simpson involved so stay oh, tuned oh man i can't wait for this boy i should get a simpson you know i do have a simpson me as a simpson drawing though that feels almost too <laughs> uh too hey, self-centered no at this point in, in history no no tattoo is too stupid yeah that's true like what, what do you what do you got to lose here come on uh yeah i i also i had seen this news spread uh by mike reese and he had a funny comment of just like all those characters you couldn't get mr bergstrom who's me on uh, you come on he's gonna get him on his ass i bet now <laughs> you know on the first hundred i'd have mr bergstrom if it's like okay you have to fit 200 characters on you I'd at least have Mr. Bergstrom I mean, in there somewhere. Sideshow Raheem is on his back, so why not Mr. Bergstrom? Yeah. And our final piece of news is uh, the vile Chinese app TikTok <laughs> destroying our country and democracy. Uh, I'm fine with TikTok, by the way. Uh, a TikTok user did a very popular mashup of Nelson's Ha Ha with the M83 song, Midnight City. I will admit I had to look up what song it was parodying. I, didn't, I did not know the song. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of touch. Uh, but, uh, but then no, when but I... The children are actually wrong. <laughs> when I looked up the song on YouTube and saw it had 300 million views, I'm like, boy, I'm really out of touch. I hadn't heard this song. But uh, but yes, it took the specifically Nelson's Ha Ha from the movie when he's pointing at Bart's uh, penis <laughs> and, uh, and mixed it up here. <laughs> Yeah. 
We actually found out about that because a friend of the show, Alexi, former guest, uh, sent that to us in a DM. And That's I was right. like, I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was parenting something popular. Well, uh, she was ahead of the, she is our youth consultant on this. And that I she's guess. like five yeah. years younger than us. That's true. Yeah. And, but well, a musician. So she's part of that world as well. Yeah. Well, and hey, now that I've heard that song, Midnight City, I'm like, this is a good song. I like this song. But I'm all, I'm old. I don't listen to new songs. Uh, I should, but I, I like, I heard there was a, I had the old man reaction of like when we were young and a new Rolling Stones album or Bob Dylan thing came out, the old people for us would go like, I'm still hip. I just listened to the new Bob Dylan mm. album and he's still great. A new Bright Eyes album just came out and I had the <laughs> same reaction. Like I should listen to that. I, I'll uh, stay hip and in the Weezer, in Weezer still got it. Yeah. Singing about malls at age 60. Uh, but but that's it for Simpsons news this month. Uh, let's knock on wood that nothing like horrible or crazy happens in Simpsons <laughs> news before this comes out. So let's move on to uh, podcast news. We have a special surprise for mm-hmm. you. Uh, the next Talking Simpsons episode won't be about the Simpsons because in the past, whenever a new Simpsons related show appears on the Fox schedule in our timeline, we'll do the pilot of that instead of the Simpsons that week. And this time we are doing the non-animated show Malcolm in the Middle. If you don't like that, I got three words for you life is unfair boom yes take that. God, as they uh, might be giant said uh, that's, they, that's still a very cool band yeah oh they're still so cool and hip and young and vibrant i i realized while watching the uh trailer i think maybe i've said it before but like we are the flansburg and lanell uh it's true right? <laughs> people have pointed that out yeah. in like in like pictures but yeah we're doing the pilot of malcolm in the middle a fantastic show mm-hmm. it is still on hulu as of this recording it's probably going to be there forever and it's part of the simpsons world and that it is a live action cartoon and also jay kogan was a showrunner towards the end and malcolm in the middle is the reason why fox canceled all of the live act that's all of the animated shows yes, that yeah. launched in like 99 2000 because like this thing is way cheaper and people like it more it's uh it's a really interesting show to go back to on hulu i think i had also seen that disney plus had originally or disney had originally floated the idea it'd be on disney plus because they own it like all the other fox shows but i think they eventually decided it was too dirty Aww. so it's living on hulu with uh, I, with family guy and american dad i think it's, i think it's too marxist for disney <laughs> it has a lot of things to say about being lower class and mm. a working family in america How and george w bush's america i I know it, it's about how it you know it sucks to be poor it's yeah. really hard like that and yeah it's uh i think it was important for us to do because it was partnered with the simpsons for like seven years straight you know i i think one season they got moved to thursday but pretty much it was always with the simpsons it was one of i think it is the most successful show to be partnered with the simpsons based on its season one ratings yeah it was like the slicker hipper married with children like mm-hmm. another off-kilter uh, anti-sitcom family and uh, i i believe this came up if you want the behind the music on this it was uh when we did our episode with Lindsay Katai six weeks ago uh, oh boy uh for little big mom it came up that like oh yeah Malcolm in the Middle premiered this night and uh off the mic we said to each other like you know what we did it for Mission Hill and Family Guy shouldn't we do it for Malcolm in the Middle so yeah I mean look hey does it suck that Frankie Muniz is a MAGA guy now 
it absolutely does. But it he does suck. Literally has significant brain damage. Significant major brain damage. Yeah, you can't remember I, any part of the filming of this show. Uh, and appreciate you can appreciate also the Cranston man, the Cran man. Cran man. You can appreciate Brian Cranston before he became Mister Serious Guy. Like this is, uh, he is so great. He was the show's like secret weapon, but also Jane Kasmerick is like yeah. an incredible actress. Perfect casting all around. We'll talk plenty yeah. about it. But yeah, just uh, a fantastic show, and I've been watching a lot of it on hulu it's like comfort food for a time in my life where i wasn't very happy it's weird that i'm now nostalgic for like times in my life where i was very unhappy and lonely yeah i guess now it's like uh well it especially reminds me of right before 9-11 or even post 9-11 i think i never missed an episode for the first two seasons and then watched uh on and off from season three onward i'm seeing now but it's yeah great show but so that's coming next week not the next episode in simpsons chronological order so mm -hmm. just just so you know gary malcolm in the middle and we got a cool guest lined up as well it's true and more news for us we sold out big time <laughs> we're in the pocket of big shoe because uh, we got some free things from vans we each got three free pairs of shoes mm -hmm. uh, we interviewed the designers of those shoes that's on our patreon and on the free feed and henry you've been buying a few more things from yeah them, right? you know what i i really lost out on this deal because i gave i still spent money on their shoes that's how they get you shoes. they send you three free pairs and you buy one more uh i bought two more actually okay. yeah but i couldn't so um you know the free ones we got we got the one that's like bart's colors in a slip-on loafer we got the uh donut sandals which i wear that every time i walk down to the front door to let you in and then the ones i i don't think i'll ever wear but it's the uh the family on both sides one which is really good but yeah and then i also bought the one of all the springfieldians on the shoe plus i couldn't resist the crusty burger hat too. that that's really cool i wanted the mo shoes but when i went to the website they were sold out of my size so i was like maybe in the future if they make more i'll get some but that, that's the only one thing i wanted i think i'm not I haven't worn any of the shoes yet i might wear one pair to my wedding because i <laughs> Wedding, our wedding now might change because it was going to be small, but now we're like, we should celebrate, you know, because we had to not see each other for over six months at this point. So Yeah, you know, and have a big, once you can finally have a big ass wedding, have a big ass wedding. Yeah, take take over and destroy the city of Vancouver when that time comes. <laughs> it's, it's our time to shine. And also, uh, Futurama Season 2 Part 2 won the poll for mm -hmm. the Fall 2020 miniseries. And very soon, uh, in a few weeks, we'll be sitting down to record all nine new episodes of the that show i believe the first one will launch on october 30th mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the final one will be out on christmas although i might bump that a few days earlier just so you can get it before you uh leave for a trip perhaps if that's possible yeah it's weird to even think about like i guess we do need to think about what christmas will feel like now and uh what will thanksgiving be i don't like thanksgiving knows? if you've got a racist relative you can just kick him out of that zoom room yes yeah uh depending on who wins that election too this could be the worst thanksgiving that's ever happened it's I true think. yeah uh, uh look i want biden to win i'll just say it i don't like him but of course it, yeah it'd be nice i get it if that's the, who the we're preferable stuck with is yes yeah but anyway futurama yay, yay. more I, futurama it was I, close i like that future it was only four percent ahead of king of the hill and uh sorry again to our double d's Duckman and daria they they were a little they came up short they'll have their time to shine but yeah mm -hmm. like like henry said we are recording way in advance because at some 
point I'll be able to leave and then I'll have to stay in Canada for a bit to uh, get all the viruses out of my body. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're not going to be commenting on like very important current events because we're re- we'll be recording way in advance. So if you're wondering why we're not talking about something that just happened, that's why. And mm-hmm. this space is where we do that. Talking yes, about yeah. like the very new stuff. For example, that Red and Stimpy podcast that just came out on the uh, Patreon that was recorded months, uh, two, six weeks, I believe, before the double fist of, of Red and Stimpy news of the documentary, the, the controversial, doesn't sound that great documentary coming out, and then also the news of a potential revival of the series. So if you're listening to that, like, how could you have on Thad and Bob Jakes and not talk about those things? Well, because it was weeks ago, and I still think it's a really great podcast, and I, I don't know. I feel like Bob Jakes would be not want to talk about those things anyway. I, yeah, I, I mean, know. it sounds like nobody from the original show was contacted about the new uh, reboot at this point, mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know if they're happy or not about that. But if you go to uh, forcesofgeek.com, you can read Thad Komarowski's review of the uh, documentary, and I trust him. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's very disappointing, and what's disappointing about it is they had to rework it uh, after the John K. exposition was written but then they turned it into a he said she said about pedophilia and that's not cool no no and it gives and it gives it gives john k the last word in a yeah movie yeah about, which is just like so wrong yeah i still want to watch <sighs> it just to hear uh, the voices of the people who made the show but i don't like that he had to be part of it they should have mm. just written him out of it like yeah we're not going to talk to him yeah i mean thad had a very good point of just like all you're going to hear from john k is lies like if you talk to him now he will just lie to your face or tell you a story that's already out there so i could see a documentary and going like like hey it's not fair to not get his side of the story if he wants to offer it and it would be incomplete without it but he is just a liar like why why get any information from him he's said enough in the past that you can just quote that and he's really good at it like enchanting people under a spell and apparently it worked on the documentary people yeah. like he's just he's just doing it again all he does is use people and he's just did it again he wouldn't john k wouldn't be the monster he is if he wasn't like excellent at using people and t- taking advantage of people like that's all uh, yeah i don't even want to talk about him more and also yet, so. like uh, yeah. i guess more news about that uh is that his like his monster father that informed all of his work just passed away in his 90s wow that old man wow. finally died man Ah, God, that's that's just so depressing to me because you just I'm sure his father was horribly abusive as well and just to see that like John Kay's life was about passing along that instead of learning from it continuing that abuse it's just it's horrible anyway let's talk about good things yes, so yeah. September what a cartoon schedule mm-hmm. uh, so here's what's on the schedule for September the first week we'll be talking about Inuyashiki Last Hero the third episode of that that's a really uh, mature anime series on Amazon I didn't hear about it before our patron dave whittington requested it he's on the episode and it's all put together and ready to go on patreon and i've been watching the series past that point of this uh, episode that we did for the show and it's great so i recommend watching it on amazon so up next after that second week is sonic the saturday morning cartoon the episode supersonic with our best friend ian jones cordy it's a great episode we recorded that like months ago it feels like yeah it was a very raucous uh fun exploration of sonic uh the good sonic that's still pretty bad yes yeah and ian i mean ian is a sonic expert and super fan and even wrote sonic into an episode of okko he got to do a crossover show like so uh ian has so many fun views on sonic just as a fan and a creator i especially like he he made a great point that like the sonic he knew growing up doesn't exist anymore and the kids today are just like well no sonic's not like a jerk what are you talking about 
Uh, and after that, we have the Dungeons and Dragons episode, The Night of No Tomorrow, the early 80s series that much better than the Saturday morning fair around it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Compared to everything else that came out in 1983, better animated and smarter written and also like good voice actors. And yeah, that was a lot of fun to talk about. We even go a little into the history of Dungeons and Dragons itself and our uh, we have a premium patron guest on that one, Devin, who helped us with a lot of uh, insights into the playing of Dungeons and Dragons. Because mm. uh, though I have a background with tabletop role playing games, I never played D&D. So Devin was a really helpful guest on that one. And uh, I'm looking that again, we recorded that one a uh, month and a half ago. That's, that feels like it was a May podcast. But mm. uh, and finally, the what a cartoon movie is uh, the return of Jafar, the Aladdin sequel. We just recorded that. Of course, you get the free preview of that if you are on the free feed or a five dollar patron you get that early but if you're a ten dollar patron you can hear the whole thing and all of our other what a cartoon movies and that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. i had not seen that movie since the first time i saw it so it's been uh, it's an interesting movie uh, that kicked off a much better tv series yeah it was it was really something to re-engage with it we talked for over three and a half hours on it i don't know what it'll ultimately the edit will come out but uh, it's a big one and uh, speaking of what a cartoon yeah. movie uh, we have one coming up in october of course it'll be another horror themed uh, event here and uh, the picks for that one are going to be Coraline the uh, movie by the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas not Tim Burton that <laughs> that credit stealing jerk uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island uh, the first like mature monsters are real Scooby-Doo story direct to video uh, Wallace and Gromit and Curse of the Were-Rabbit uh, their only feature to date I believe yeah they're the full length feature film the only one Wallace and Gromit got and Vampire Hunter D the uh, that's the 80s one correct yes the 87 anime yeah I do like both of them the the bloodline i think it's called bloodline yeah bloodline honest uh, bloodlines might honestly be a little better but it's not as important like so the d uh, on the bus stands for dracula uh i always Sorry, wanted- the d on the grave stands for dracula <laughs> there is a dracula uh, bus though i always i always think of uh we in these group ones we need one anime in here but it's technically two animes because scooby-doo on oh, zombie island is anime that's the most anime scooby-doo and i love it i yeah. love it so much so uh and i'll just tell you guys too ahead of time if you think we're starting with scooby-doo if that wins and you think that's the first scooby-doo podcast we'll do not true in october you will hear another scooby-doo mm. podcast before that uh, we're doing it right with a regular scooby-doo podcast before that and we have recorded that probably like two weeks ago at this point yes but uh oh but yeah but the poll will be up on september 1st to vote on the october movie so that way we can record it in september mm. and stay ahead with that so keep an eye out for that september 1st to vote on Coraline, Scooby-Doo, Zombie Island, Wallace and Gromit, Curse the Were-Rabbit, or Vampire Hunter D. Make your voice heard for the next October movie. Well, now, before we get to the rest of the comments, we actually have a new interview with a friend of the show, Warren. You may know him as Bart of Darkness on Twitter, and uh, he's got a new podcast. We're going to talk about it right now. Well, hey, so Warren, welcome to the Talking Simpsons Community Podcast. First time you've been on our show. Man, it is an honor to finally crawl my way to the top. That (laughs) is Talking Simpsons, I'll tell you. And if people don't recognize your handle, they probably recognize your uh, collection, your vast, vast collection of Simpsons uh, merchandise and memorabilia yeah i mean it's as as you guys can see no one can see at home it's everywhere it, it consumes my life you know there's a lot of people out there who have collections of of some merch or like but to have this deep a collection as you have like it's 
like three decades worth is just shown all over the place in there and it's it's stuff i recognize from childhood and then other stuff i'm like oh that must have been made last year kind of thing or this is from germany and i've never heard of it before yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where if you get into simpsons collecting uh you sort of have to find these avenues into the weird random uh obscure stuff from other countries because that's honestly some of the more interesting stuff and a lot of it um, it's just rarely seen in America. So that's sort of the fun of it. Well, I wanted to talk about your new podcast too in a sec, but I just, where did you begin with this collection? Mm. Was it just stuff you had as a kid and then it grew into getting more stuff? So it's funny. Uh, when I first moved to Florida to be with my girlfriend, now wife, I hadn't really had enough time to devote to a hobby like collecting. And it's something I'd always been interested in. And uh, I had a good friend named Lars that was collecting a lot of stuff from various toy lines. And I was like, you know, that's something I would like to do. So maybe I should find a thing that I really love and just really focus on buying it. So um, I bought like, you know, some Simpsons VHS sets and I bought, you know, some dolls here and there, random, you know, flea markets and places like that. And I just sort of fell in love with the aesthetic of a lot of the early merchandise. And I was like, you know, this is stuff I wanted as a kid or stuff that I had as a kid. I should really seek this out and see how much I can learn about this stuff and the origins of it and where, you know, where it comes from and, and how, how deep it actually gets. And the, the truth is it gets really, really deep. So have you been able to track just like how, what the different waves of merch were? Because to me, as a, as a bystander and someone buying the merch, it felt like there was a ton of merch in the very beginning. And then it, there wasn't another wave until like 10 years later, just a few things here and there throughout the 90s. But like the next big wave was like 99 with all the Playmates figures and stuff like it's that. It's that 200th episode that like right around right. then, that's when they started making new deals. Yeah. Yeah, well, so what you notice collecting is that obviously in 89, there's only a couple of things because most merch was really, really early stages. 90, 91, it was just a flood of merchandise. And then you realize that around the mid 90s, they were still making a good amount of stuff, but it was very obscure. And a lot of stuff was being made in the UK mm. and New Zealand and Australia. And what you also notice is that a lot of the stuff being made in the UK up until as recent as 97, 98, still looked very, very proto like 1990. And hmm. you realize that a lot of this international stuff didn't have nearly the uh, restrictions or the approval process that a lot of the American stuff had. So you definitely, you can tell what era it's from based on packaging and things like that. You start to notice little patterns uh, between UK and US and things like that. But you do, like I can look at a thing and I can probably tell you within, you know, two years of when it was made. Wow. That, yeah. I, well, you hear those stories about how involved Mac Raining was in approvals on like, especially in the first run of merchandise. And even to this day, we interviewed the creators or the designers of the Vans Simpson stuff. And they said like, yeah, they got direct notes from Graining on it. Like he's still very involved in that stuff. But I wonder if like, you know, he's only one guy. Can he approve an Australia thing? Can he approve something made in England? I, I always wonder that. And, you know, my I want to say my favorite Simpsons toy line ever is from New Jersey. It's called Dandy or Dandy. Mm. And I it's all the like flat face dolls. Some people remember those. And I love everything that that company made. And the story goes that they made like 100 dolls and Matt only approved like 15 of them. Hmm. And uh, so I, I wonder you know, what that process looked like in the late 90s. That's something I always think about because 
this company called Vivid Imaginations, specifically from the UK, a lot of their stuff into the late 90s looks so uh, early 1990 that I, I just can't imagine Matt or anyone would have approved it that late into the game. But who knows? Maybe. I actually, I do have one of the dandy flat face Barts. Oh, really? I don't. I have like I have like seven Simpsons things, uh, classic these, Simpsons things. I look these up. Maybe I add them to the the only the the toys I had as a kid of the Simpsons. I had the hard plastic head ones that got sold at Burger King, and yep. I also I had the Mattel line that had the Bartman and and Nelson in it. One I had that, but these I'm mean, I'm looking them up on eBay now. But while I do that, um, you know another thing I've seen you like shout out to on Twitter is Bill Morrison, who is like the king. He is of the '90s, uh, like the best Simpsons artist. Then like he was the guy who drew everything that looked correct to me as a kid whether it be Bongo comics or the calendars or a video game cover art was Bill Morrison. And like, you've, you've probably gotten to know his art quite well too, even though he doesn't sign it, you just have to know it by the look of it. You just have to know. Well, I think the finest example of Bill's stuff is obviously a lot of the video games. And I think once you realize like what his style is like, you'd start to link him to so many things. And when I say like, I mean, Bill obviously worked on Bongo, but he was doing box art for card games for, you know, random sets of trivia. He was doing VHS art. He was doing like the amount of, I mean, I'm pretty sure he even did artwork for the uh, Simpsons tapped out game. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he's done so much stuff. It's honestly sort of insane. And yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Bill's work. Well, and I think his his need to be constantly like on model and correct came from him being such an in-demand poster and merchandise artist. Mm -hmm. Like in, in comics, especially with the deadlines you have or the expectations of like, oh, it's a kid's comic. Like who cares about being too on model? You got to get this out on time. But if you're going to be a t-shirt or a Butterfinger ad in a comic book, you've got to hit the rules. You got to do every Simpsons rule. And all the our, our friend Nina, who is an amazing Simpsons artist on her own, like she just gives you a, a hint of the rules that Bill Morrison probably probably formalized like <laughs> well no a simpsons mouth does this it doesn't do that yeah no and and you know i gotta say like i think when i think of simpsons art period i really only think of david silverman wes archer and bill morrison like to me those are like because you also you know you find out when you talk about merchandise that uh, some of the earliest merchandise like the say cheese shirt you know the famous image of homer choking bart like yeah. that was actually a david silverman drawing oh you could tell and and, you know, the the image that's on all the scripts, you know, they actually David told me that he, they wanted him to be involved in the merchandise really heavy from the jump. And they, they you know, they knew he didn't have time for that. But it, yeah. I think it's interesting to see those things tie in and how certain people almost had a different path, you know. Yeah. Getting those scripts. Uh, we, went, we went to the table read last year. Just like that. That image is just so wonky. But it is like, oh, yeah, that was the image on all the T-shirts and stuff in yeah. 1990. The front facing Bart. Man, poor, so poor Silverman that he was like, he was uh, directing five episodes in season one, but they're also like, hey, we got t-shirts you got to draw too. Could you do that? Like, I guess, you know, that's a good segue here. You talk about David Silverman. Uh, you have been getting into the podcasting game as well, not just in the, the Simpsons collecting game. Yeah, I, you know, this, you know, I, I talk about this a bit on the podcast, but, you know, this whole quarantine has sort of inspired me to uh, push myself to do something I've thought about doing for a long time 
point in time anyway, you know, being a guest on a podcast here and there, I was like, this is something I would really like to do. So I've sort of just been using this time to reach out and make contacts and record these interviews. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm actually launching uh, tomorrow. Nice. Um, I, I'm I'm really pumped. I'm dropping three episodes right away, one of which is with you guys. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm super excited for everyone to hear it. I'm excited to do more and more. And uh, if you guys are fans of just, you know, ca- you know, in-depth conversations about why The Simpsons is so great, I think you're going to love this podcast. And now uh, what's the name of that podcast? The podcast is called Simpsons is Greater Than, and it should be available on every Anywhere you get your podcast, you should be able to find it. Amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard. You know, me and Bob, it took us a, a couple of years to finally get like one, Bill Oakley on as our first guest. And he's what a great guy. But like you and your first episodes are just like, boom, 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 the stars. Like, it's very impressive. I really appreciate that. I mean, I, you know, I would have never imagined that this would have gone the way that it's gone for me. And I, you know, I don't know if I have my collection to thank for that or, or what it, whatever it may be, but I consider myself very lucky that some of these people have, have been so open to talking with me and, you know, I'm just excited to see where it goes. I'm going to, you know, put myself to the talking Simpsons model and give it my whole, give it all I got. So <laughs> we're very flattered. Yes. No, thank you. And, and our chat with you is, was great too, just about like our, uh, you know, we focus on one episode per thing, but just having a more like bigger conversation about our lives as related to our fandom of the Simpsons and how, and how that, you know, when, into our personal lives and our careers and stuff that was a lot of fun and and yeah i mean like you're you did you know just this week you did a a instagram live interview with carolyn omine that was really cool mm-hmm. too like so yeah it's been i'm looking forward to hearing uh all that stuff now that it's starting up the and and yeah man david silverman and and, and yardley smith al jean like, yeah al jean yeah yep. al jean He's still yeah, on our, our, we got to get Al Jean soon. We got to do it. But yeah, that's so impressive. Well, you know, I, I really only did it to dunk on you guys. Oh. You did. Well, you pulled it up. Mission accomplished, <laughs> no, buddy. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited. And I like what you highlighted as far as the format. You know, just for anyone who doesn't know, um, it's really, you know, for all intents and purposes, quite different than Talking Simpsons. My, my goal is to sit down and, and talk to people that, feel like the Simpsons had some sort of impact on the way, uh, you know, their creative endeavors in life went or just the, the things that they were interested in moving into careers. Um, so I'm going to talk to artists, musicians, you know, anyone that feels like the Simpsons sort of molded uh, part of their brain that led to the career that they chose. So I'm really excited to have that conversation. I think it's going to be awesome to talk to a lot of people about. Yeah, no, it's been great. You're doing, and you're doing Jacksonville proud as a fellow Jacksonvillian. That's uh, I have no alliances to Florida. I'm sorry. <laughs> Try, trying my best. I'm trying to make Florida not look awful for at least. <laughs> yeah, man, I can't wait to hear uh, the rest of the Simpsons greater than you. Uh, look, you have a Twitter account for that as well, not just Bard of Darkness. Though. I would figure probably our listeners follow Bard of Darkness on Twitter. I would just hope to see so. All the cool stuff you share. Yeah, but, yeah. I really, I really hope you guys do. If you don't, but you know, I, I want to say 
say if you search Bard of Darkness on Twitter or Instagram, you'll find it. And same thing for the podcast. Simpsons is greater than. Obviously, you can't have a name that long on Twitter. So it's Simpsons is great, which I almost changed the name of the podcast to. <laughs> um, so, you know, either you can find me on all of that stuff. So please check it out. And like I said, three episodes coming tomorrow. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Warren, and best of luck with that. We, you know, I, I hope people enjoy ours just as much as the hearing <laughs> Al Jean on it, too. No, it really means a lot, guys. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, yeah, I'll see you guys soon. Yeah. And before we get to the questions and comments, let's have our little quarantine corner, what we're doing to stay <laughs> sane. Uh, how about you, Henry? What's going on with you? Oh, it's uh, it's been another month full of content, but I was shaking it up a lot with, uh, well, first off, I read a whole comic book. Actually, I read two comic books. One, shout out to our friends uh, Ian Boothby and Nina Matsumoto uh, on their new comic, Sparks yes. Double Dog Dare. I just read that. A lot please, of fun. Please uh, buy it now wherever mm-hmm. you can buy books. It's great. Yeah, I, uh, I got it digitally and read it but uh, i also believe you can you can get a, a free or you can if you buy it physically you can also get a signed thing from nina and ian out there lo- look into their twitters i forget the official stuff for that but but sparks it was a lot of fun it's just funny and i think ian just has a great like sense of humor as a writer i especially like the um uh the lazy squirrel friend they have i think he's my favorite character because mm, okay. he just sits around and eats i like that but uh and and nina matsumoto is really good at drawing like delicious looking floppy pizzas like i, I there's just some real it. like ninja turtle style pizzas <laughs> uh and also a comic i read this month was uh the naoki urasawa comic uh mujirushi which is a you know it's like eight chapters long so it's basically one volume length of a of a long ongoing manga but it's just one full story and it's like done in collaboration with the louvre so uh it's set in the louvre it is about how awesome the paintings are there it uh i'll tell you what if you are wishing you could travel to places reading it uh might make you feel a lot of pain because you're like boy i wish i could go to japan uh. or paris and go to the Louvre. <laughs> this looks pretty nice but it's a really great comic i i read a little of it last month because that led me to watch the uh osamatsu-kun show because it references that and i've been watching a little avatar the last airbender i'm still in book one but i've been enjoying that also still going through the legend of galactic heroes oh yeah i'm 30 episodes into that and it is so fire emblem fire emblem games totally ripped it off like it's exactly i to go into it more would spoil things but the character design tone and the way the story of a long-term war is told i now see so much of what fire emblem got out of this i guess the timeline would, would match up with that yeah because the I, the book started in 87 and the first fire emblem came out in 90 I okay believe. yeah so, yeah and and i'm i've been watching that on verve i also have been using my verve membership to watch uh garfield and friends <laughs> uh which that's been fun to go back to and then uh two things i wanted to shout out to on youtube defunct land along with our our bros from the podcast the ride they did a documentary like a full real documentary about halix oh right the uh the band that the star wars kiss band that played for like a, a summer at disneyland and never came back i still need to watch that but i was listening on their podcast i think they were going to like tour with the movie and stuff it was going to be like a, a movie that they were going to screen places yeah. uh, around this time of the year uh it's weird though because i've been like uh I, i've run through all my old podcasts or sorry i've run through all my new podcasts so i'm going back to old podcasts like pre-pandemic 
pandemic podcast and I'm hearing like, come out and see us in April for our live show rolling out in April. Come <laughs> uh, see us this summer. Just like, oh, you fools. Yeah, you foolish fool. Yeah, it's uh, that, that can be a little painful hearing those old yeah. ones with all the plans. They, probably we have a lot of plans we talked yeah, about. Yeah, we're going to be like, oh, we're going out to LA again in the spring. We probably would have been out to LA like in April or May or something. Oh, for sure. Or at least sometime sure. in the summer. I miss it. Uh, and uh, But yeah, that Defunct Land is really great. And also... Uh, our buddy Paparina, who we've had on a couple podcasts, uh, his last two knickknacks were really great. He did one for Adventures of the Little Koala, which yep. was really awesome. And he did a new one he's doing called like The Sampler. It's it's an 11 to 15 minute thing, just about one episode of SpongeBob. And so it's his way of like, you know, what, let me skip ahead to a thing that's popular instead of just just doing chronological. So it's a long walk to SpongeBob from uh, where he is right now, like 1987, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's uh, 2025. He'd probably get to 1999. And and also, I played a little bit of this video game that was on sale called What the Golf, which uh, came out things. last year. It's really it's really neat. It's uh, it's very clever. To describe more would spoil the whole attraction of the game, but uh, it's not exactly a golf game. It's not quite a mop, but uh, <laughs> it's What the Golf. You know, obviously, probably people played it a long time ago uh, last year, but when it's on the Switch, that's when a game it's technically it's released to me yes yeah <laughs> Uh, as for me, uh, kind of a boring month. Uh, I've been actually working very far ahead on Retronauts as well because I'm trying to get a lot of those in the can. I'm, I'm up to November there because, again, when I leave, I have to make sure my, my plate is clear, my schedule is clear. Uh, what my plate is clear is what kind of dinner analogy am I working with here? My slate is clear. There we go. So things I've been playing. I played the new No More Heroes game. Uh, it was kind of for a podcast, but then I got into it. It's like the it's called Travis Strikes Back. It's a fun, uh, I'd say, B-level game. Uh, lots of lots of personality to it. It, it kind of came in one in 2019 but i guess it was popular enough that there's going to be a no more heroes 3 this year but that might yeah. get delayed I, I think it'll be delayed i remember at the end of that game like people were like oh there's a tease at the end that they'll just make a real no more heroes 3 like, yeah there definitely the, is you you shared a screenshot from that game where a character saying like people don't want to read in this they bought a new no more heroes like well yeah tough titties there's a lot of fun uh like self uh making fun of themselves in the game making fun of other games it's it's pretty irreverent i do like it a lot i started final fantasy 9 in february and now i'm almost at the very end of the game that's wow. for future retronauts uh, and i mean like i probably cruised that game in like a week when i was 18 when it came out but i'm hitting like 40 hours over the course of like six months so Damn, that's uh, nice that's just like chipping away at it like dungeon by dungeon that's got to be good podcast listening Game, oh, it is. Game. Yeah, I love I love nine, and currently I'm playing the not very good Escape from Monkey Island for uh, a podcast uh, coming up in November. So spoilers. Uh, yes, the continue. I it must be with a certain Monkey Island partner you have yes. on a podcast too. Yeah, she she good. will be on it, and a game I'm getting ready for releasing this Friday is a game, a very obscure game called uh, Moon RPG Remix Adventure on Switch. It's actually uh, the developer localizing that game for the first time. It came out for the PlayStation late in the playstation's existence it's a really cool like inverse of the rpg and that you go into an rpg world after the hero has won and you find out like oh you, when you're a hero of an rpg you're actually killing a bunch of things and stealing a bunch of things so you're repairing a world that the rpg hero has ruined so it's like a weird inversion of the rpg too weird to ever come over to the playstation way back in the day and it's made by onion games a really cool developer who makes a lot of interesting stuff so that's coming out for the switch friday i recommend you check it out because it needs a lot of attention i had never heard of it until you shared it and it's it's concept 
is so ahead of its time. Like I, I felt like the in the late aughts was when you started seeing indie games that were that were challenging the tropes of a classic RPG. And here's one from the late '90s that's like, yeah. no, RPGs are kind of screwed up from a certain point of view. It was uh, way, way ahead of its time, and the developer is awesome. I, I support them and everything they do. And it's only going to be like 18.99 when it releases. So this is one of the few like really cool games that never got a fan translation. Uh, it might have been difficult to do. I just don't know why. But there was always one like kind of in the works for a while but now like 20 years later 20 plus years later i guess it's finally coming out for a uh, platform so check that out other video game stuff i'm only playing video games now people this is just <laughs> I, I it makes the time pass faster i'm still playing a lot of final fantasy 14 with nina uh still cruising through Shadowbringers. i my new class i'm playing as a dancer so i can wow. be extra pretty <laughs> your your bunny lady's gonna be hotter than ever. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh, i'm almost at level 20 in that game Ooh. i've been playing it a little bit since the the up it's nice it's also good podcast listening gaming for it really sure. is yeah and uh still watching avatar the last airbender because it's 60 episodes long and it's yeah. only been a month since we last talked about this are you uh are you done with book one? Oh yeah we're yeah. like more than halfway through book two. Oh, cool yeah. cool man it's uh i'm now getting all of the uh all of the memes on the internet now yeah. that i'm finally watching it's like show. oh i recognize that gif <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was watching the fourth episode and i was like oh yeah that gift it's the one where ang uh meets a bunch of people and is like hey look at this pretty cool and it's the ball spinning and then everybody's losing their mind including the guy who like yeah. mouth frothes and falls over like i was i was that's a gif i finally know the gif yeah and all those avatars you saw over the past 15 years mm. but uh yeah that's our lives and in, in quarantine six months of quarantine <laughs> uh we're in we're in month six you know mm-hmm. uh this, this thing could turn around at any point yeah i'm sure this isn't you know the halfway point of Mm-mm, it no, no absolutely not <laughs> But yes, we hope you're all doing well out there and yes, please yeah. uh, stay safe. Don't fraternize with other people if you can help it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just be careful. If you're an essential worker, you know, our hearts go out to you, especially. Oh, for like, sure. We we are very blessed that we can do our jobs from home and don't have to put our health at risk or and don't have to worry about thanks to all of your support. We don't have to worry in a lot of ways that many people do and we really appreciate that and i know for me and bob podcast has helped us a lot in this tough time and i hope that we can do the same for you guys yeah we're we're trying to be ultra productive again uh, all i care about is time passing faster despite <laughs> that means less life to live but uh it means i'm closer to something that's not this that's all i'm looking forward to so we're just both diving into work and being very productive and uh, working way way ahead i, I assume like in the fall we're going to be in, in september we're going to be like well here's our first 2021 podcast rolling yeah. out <laughs> happy new year everybody we'll have to start it with <laughs> but uh yeah let's go on to uh comments for talking simpsons and this, these are for take my wife sleaze and brian horton says i wonder if the nrbq documentary was being worked on was their appearance on annie's breakfast with the arts I don't see the series catalog thoroughly anywhere, but if you search for NRBQ Breakfast with the Arts or NRBQ Simpsons, you'll find bits and pieces. The clip has most of the Simpsons stuff and features Mike Scully. Everything seems to indicate it was from 2003, so it is questionable. I could see A&E sitting on that footage for a couple years. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. Uh, NRBQ documentary is not like a hot ticket item. <laughs> uh, I saw multiple comments that are like, who's NRBQ? I guess we never 
fully said they are a band that oh. uh, plays I, music. I, I figure we but, talked enough about them because that was not their first appearance. There was just yeah. the, the most NRBQ was in that episode. We've complained enough about Mike Scully giving his favorite band a bunch of appearances in the show. But yeah, the uh, in the comment, Brian Horton has a, a lengthy clip that is mostly just things from the episode. So I, I'm not going to play it here. But uh, if you want to see Mike Scully in his office talking about getting nrbq in there i wish i'd found that clip when doing the prep for the episode but on the commentary you hear mike scully say oh i was doing something for a documentary that's the clip out mm-hmm. there so uh thank you brian horton for finding that uh, also on take my wife's sleeve joe hodgson says bumper pool is pretty much baby pool it's what you get if you don't want to spend a ton of money or have the space for a traditional pool table when my grandparents moved into their first empty nest house my papa bought a bumper pool table for the basement they come in different shapes and varieties but his was just a regular rectangular shape my cousin had one that was an octagon and it's a two-player game where each player has five balls and you take turns trying to sink each ball in the opposite hole from where you start and there are only two holes the fun in that game is trying to use the bumpers to sink your balls with various bank shots there were two bumpers alongside each pole and a series of them in the middle of the table in a cross shape so that you had to go around them as a kid i remember that that's where drunk guys and smokers went wherever whenever my grandparents through a party i'd play it as a kid too and it was fine but not as interesting as traditional pool it gets old so when my grandfather decided he'd he'd rather have a bigger table he actually gave it to my family i think i used it once before my dad gave it away to someone else it's one of those things where i'm like we have video games now we've moved beyond this like in the the 90s a friend of mine had a foosball table i'm just like this isn't fun (laughs) like can we play mario kart they they take up so much more space than a console that sits under your tv as well yeah you you play with it once and also it's like i i think that's the joke in the show too that a bumper pool table is feels like a person didn't want to spend the money on a real Mm. pool table so it just feels like oh you're cheap like i'm playing the cheap version why don't we just play real pool like i now i had a friend who yeah he his family showed off their upper middle class wealth by having a real pool table and his stepdad was very clear on like this is not for kids oh yeah there was a family that i was friends with that was just like the pool table was never to be used it was an object of like opulence <laughs> just like look what we could buy we can ruin a whole room that's only for this you'd use this for something useful but this is instead a table that you can't touch so up next we have uh, grift of the magi and robert flaxman says the episode holds a very special place in my heart as a few years later i was playing college quiz bowl and went to a tournament with my school where i had picked the names for our two teams calling them quote galaxy of prawns and quote let me talk to mr kwan a girl from one of the other schools was a big simpsons fans and told me how much she liked our team names a little over two years later we started dating and just celebrated nine years of marriage Ooh. the simpsons bring people together that just a fact yep i have to say i agree my fiance future <laughs> wife uh we, the simpsons brought us together absolutely yeah without the simpsons would we even know each other absolutely but, not <laughs> uh but that's that's great that uh, those specific team names from like a season 11 episode even like if if your future partner can identify a deeper cut than like it's like 
like, oh, of course you got a Mr. Plow reference. You're not worth dating. But if you get that, <laughs> no, no, I don't think that. But, no, but that's how I judge Nina. Like, do you get all my references? Uh, I think the first time we met Nina in person, she out referenced us with that. She gave us that Vancouver. Oh yeah, salmon and we we're just and, like, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I love that stuff though. It was good salmon. Yeah. The uh, I miss coffee crisp too. That was mm, a good Vancouver. You can, you can get those. <laughs> those can cross the border. I can't. <laughs> uh, but also on the Grift of the Magi, Andrew Giacchetti says, I really appreciated Henry's walking back of the fake Italian name. It made me chuckle as a man with an Italian name myself and as someone who is recently rewatching Sopranos because sometimes I am confident that they are just making shit up except for the fact that my mom's family is from North Jersey and I have seen far crazier and far longer vowel-laden names. That's the fun part of having an Italian name. You can never really tell if it's fake because they all sound so plausible yeah you might not have this on hand but what was the name he's referencing uh valdazzo brothers okay yeah. uh, that was uh, who worked for fat tony to build it and i yeah i think on the episode i was like they just made that up and then i was like you know what they maybe did that <laughs> could be a real who am i to say what is really an italian name or not that all all names are made up but it's uh, true <laughs> and it's nice having giacchetti uh now that's Andrew italian giacchetti come and tells the yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, up next, we have Little Big Mom, and uh, Nina Matsumoto says, Speak of the devil, uh, she says, Don't be so quick to dismiss Little Big Man. It's a pro-Native American anti-cavalry film, partially made to protest the Vietnam War. I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be very good. So that's uh, your movie pick of the week. Yeah, no, I, I want to see this now. One from cowboy expert Nina Matsumoto. So uh, even though she hasn't seen it, I, I appreciate her uh, insight into it. Because, yeah, I guess on the surface, it sounds like, oh, Dustin Hoffman plays a Native American no, he is a uh, child adopted by Native Americans, and uh, by living with the tribe, he can see the horrors that America does to them. So, yeah, it uh, it sounds like a much more interesting film than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to check that out. Uh, also on Little Big Mom, in reference to Carolyn Omine's writing past before joining The Simpsons, Angel Young says... I sort of remember the Full House final episode where Michelle fell off the horse and got amnesia. I am not going to revisit the episode even though it's on Hulu. I think that episode was an excuse for Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen to be together in one room. There was a moment where a version of Michelle with her memories appears to the amnesiac Michelle. They have a conversation and they merge and that is how she <laughs> regains her memories. Oh man, like classic Dragon Ball fusion is happening. Do they uh, dance? It's like, uh, that's Oh yeah, they should have done the full dance. They weren't cool enough. <laughs> <laughs> that reference would have been lost on Americans. Even. Uh, uh, it was the only time on the show where Mary Kay and Ashley appeared together, even though the Olsen twins were famous outside of Full House by this point, and people were aware that they were twins. Yeah, they had all those mysteries. Yeah, they'd already been warming up the mystery machine before. And then, man, how much money did they make on those original mystery movies? Oh, God. The, all the direct-to-video stuff. Did yeah. their parents steal it, or did they get to keep it? Uh, boy, You know, I think they made out all I don't right. know. They look I pretty think... hungry these days. Well, that might be another thing. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. Angel continues. After that, DJ goes to the prom with Aladdin, uh, their her boyfriend Steve, and the episode ends with a final cast bow. I don't remember it being a clip show, but I remember the episode feeling off for a finale. I remember being a kid and not realizing it was the final episode. I wonder how much time in advance they knew it was going to be a finale because it felt like the season finale and not a series finale to me. This is no criticism to the writer of the episode. It would be interesting to see if the writers were under pressure to close the show and how much time in advance they knew. 
I mean, the, I know Home Improvement had the same thing. They did a yeah. season finale that then turned out to be a last episode. And same with Married with Children, actually. Yeah. Uh, I have to say that uh, this brought up a weird memory for me. Like how I found out Full House was ending was I was not on the internet in, in like spring of 95. I was not reading the trades or whatever. And on SNL, uh, there was an, like an editorial segment, you know, like when one person just does like a monologue or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like on um, the daily uh, on the update, right? Yeah. Like, weekend yeah. update. It was Ellen Cleghorn talking about the end of Full House. Oh, and I was oh. like, is this a bit? I didn't know Full House was ending. <laughs> and then like the, the show ended like very soon after that. So I was like, Ellen Cleghorn knew. She knew. She yeah. was reading the trades. Man, I, I would just assume it was every actor was too expensive by that season. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah. That's uh, why it ended. It's funny that Carolyn Omine, much like Algina mike reese they wrote the final episode of gary shamling show without knowing it was the final episode so up next we have what a cartoon comment and first up is ronma one half and twisted mentat says man this episode really put me back in the 90s project echo was the first anime i watched but ronma was the one that dominated my earliest weeb phase and the same with my friends we used to joke about you could tell who we really were by which tendo sister you had as a waifu like bob and all cool people nabiki is 100 percent hands down the best one <laughs> but a friend of mine saw this kasumi torch i think the first ronma i saw was the first movie that has a huge number of characters you have no idea who the hell they are but damn hard battle i had that and played it like mad and it was a big hit at any gathering we had parties and other hangouts i'm glad they mentioned that game shampoo was just cheap as hell and yeah i only rented it because it was like an anime thing when that was mm. just impossible to even access in 1995 or 6 or whenever in a lot of the comments i was sensing a generational divide of like if you were five years older than us you learned of ranma because the trailer were on early viz pokemon videos yes for the first movie big trouble yeah. in uh, something or other neck on her on china yeah i think it is yeah and then nihau my concubine's the second one yeah the uh, obviously those puns are not in the japanese titles for them that's but. some real love uh, the early viz work right there uh, but uh but yeah it was uh it is all takes you back to this time that's why i wanted to have on uh, i was glad we had on mike tool that was your suggestion just because he he gave us so much insight into that era of the wild west of uncut anime releases and yeah i think it was the first for a lot of people it also makes me want to do project echo sometime i'd love to do that movie but also on ron one half we got a comment from blair uh which says i never heard of this show or manga growing up and i'm absolutely astonished that anything could have been so explicitly gender fluid in the 80s and 90s even the most lgbtq shows of today are heavily coded and subtle by comparison if i had seen this show when i was a kid i wonder if i could have recognized my own identity soon as a trans woman my interest is certainly peaked but even setting aside how much more conservative that era was i'm curious as to how the show's central conceit of gender fluidity was able to successfully appeal to so many cisgendered people as a selling point hmm. and i i wanted to include that comment too because i the one thing i think i wish i would have expanded on more in my rama research but that was such a long episode uh but i know this show touched many trans people and non-binary people in in my feed alone when i tweeted out the episode multiple trans people i i that follow me were like oh my god i love ronma thanks for talking about it and i i would like to explore more with a trans guest perhaps hmm. and see how that narrative touched them because definitely i think for a lot of our generation of people who you know would go on to transition or question their gender or explore it uh i do think ronma was a big one for them i think so yeah, yeah that they're like wait oh you could become a girl or you could change you can be something else like that and and the show 
I mean, look, it's a, it's a show set in the eighties made in Japan. Like there's some stuff that's dated or just very gendered. So you take the good with the bad with Rama, but nothing's perfect. But mm-hmm. God, I've seen the show talk to a lot of trans people. So it's, uh, I think it, it's a very important show for that. So I'm glad, I'm glad that commenter, uh, got that insight to it as well. So up next we have, uh, Korgoth of Barbaria and Savvy Williams says, I must've seen this during one of the few times that we ran on Adult Swim. I found it online while listening to the podcast and I realized I'd never actually seen the episode all the way through. So thank you, Bob and Henry, for giving me the opportunity to come back to Korgoth. I am an animation student in New York, and I want to learn more about Aaron Springer. Your research into his career gave me another realization, and that Springer has had a hand in everything that inspired me to become an artist in the first place. At the end of the episode, Speculees flies off and then does an abrupt turn to the left without changing his orientation. Perhaps this is a Powdered Toastman reference? Given Springer's history of Red and Stimpy, it's a slight possibility. And I would say, uh, yeah, it seems like so specific. It just, or it could just be like it'd be silly if he looked like this but it yeah. seems like a reference but it could be Pat or toast man definitely it's uh that's a, a, a novel thing that happens the more you learn about who makes things that when you realize like oh why did i love all these things oh they all had a commonality of a person working on it that you weren't aware of or like why do we uh love all of these 80s cartoons more than other ones oh it's because anime companies animated them and we liked how they looked uh but on the subject of uh references in korgoth justin brown said Aaron Springer reuses a lot of visual cliches in his work the jackknife dive is used several times in Spongebob and Speculee's flight is probably a powder toastman nod hmm. in doing time a Springer written and directed Spongebob episode Mrs. Puff rips off a cop's face and it's framed exactly like Korgoth when he rips off that guy's face Billy Dilly is okay but there are several character designs lifted straight from Korgoth he also adds, Howard Good, Lovecraft Bad. Conan stories are still fun and read well. The Savage Sword of Conan comics are A-plus material from some of the best artists in American comics. The Scarlet Citadel is straight up a horror-themed dungeon crawl that ends with Conan fighting a speculees-like sorcerer. And finally, he adds that Metal Barbarian is commonly celebrated for its violence, but Conan's stories veer on anti-capitalist, anti-imperial rhetoric, which reflected Howard's outlook on society being a cycle of exploitation and decay. Conan is a depressed bumpkin in a world that sees him as nothing but a blunt instrument, so the only thing to do is fight, screw, and maybe people will toast your name after you die young. So Don't forget about the lamentations of the women. Yes, yeah, that Gotta comes work that in, in eventually. There. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I associate Conan more with conservative readings because John Milius was such a fan oh, of it yeah. in the films and he's a, a conservative libertarian type but I should read some of those originals or I've only read a little of the like Barry Windsor Smith Conan comics from the 70s he's referring to here but I'd, I'd like to explore those it's it's just hard for me to not think of them as like jock nerd comics like yeah. I talked of them you should be like pumping iron by uh, while listening to those or and, reading them rather and just saying to your bros like look at this hot babe in chains here man I wish I could draw babe that hot <laughs> so up next we have gargoyles and uh, dl mcdonald says uh, great second up on gargoyles i should really rewatch it all you did bring up quack pack so i wanted to throw a little simpsons tidbit at you about that since well what when else would i do that if you go back to the Otto show and recall a song which homer stops so that you can hear himself think Otto sings i feel like rocking so i think i will blah 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 uh now if we look at quack pack's opening song i feel like quacking so i think i will etc it's Otto's song they the theme song is credited to jeff martin a writer of the auto show how crazy is that uh and then there's no clip of jeff martin explaining himself but uh, maybe in the future <laughs> we'll talk to him uh yeah actually i have the clip here 
both lyrics of it because audio yeah. goes like feel like rocking so i think i will rock 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 until i get my feel jeff martin just reused his auto song i for this. i, I yeah. guess maybe someone wrote the song and realized it was too close to an existing thing in a tv show or well, i don't know if jeff martin worked on quack pack well you know he had a he did have a long-term deal with Diz, mm. with some company maybe he did that i don't yeah. know but you're right it's the similarities are shocking that i yeah, was not aware i thought of. Otto was singing a real song not some yeah. song jeff martin made up uh but i guess it's uh jeff martin loves silly songs about rocking and saying rock and rocking uh also on that episode for gargoyle Andrew Bouvier says, one weird error I noticed in this episode. When the gargoyles are enjoying Halloween, Lexington is wearing a leather coat for his pilot costume, but his wings are bat-like and extend from the bottom of his arms to his legs. He isn't able to wear a coat. Did he somehow cut his wings off? Like uh, a wizard, true. a wizard did it. It's true. It's uh, in this case the the ma- the Archmagus. That's yes. who did it. Yeah, he did. That darn Archmagus. <laughs> uh, also, there was a funny comment about how somebody in the show said double costumes and so those double costumes people said yeah like double costumes you know (laughs) so uh this is hot off the presses but it just went live today but we still have some good comments for the ren and snippy show episode all about uh the royal canadian kilted yaksman check that out we have thad komarowski and bob jakes the animation director for that episode on the podcast talk all about it and Devin Hoffarth says, uh, Laverne and Shirley join the army keeps coming up on these podcasts. It's kind of becoming the new bonkers. Laverne and Shirley join the army. What a cartoon podcast 2021. And I don't know if we'll ever get that desperate, but uh, uh, it's it, it, I, I, it's not even that I'd be against it, but we do have one rule of like, this has to be watchable somehow, yeah. like easily watchable. Uh, maybe it's on Boomerang or something. I, I, I don't, don't think it is. Yeah. I think uh, Boomerang has a lot of the Hanna-Barbera things you don't care about watching watching but i think it can't be like a licensed thing you know like the licensed stuff is much less available so maybe maybe it's on youtube somebody uploaded all the lavoyne and shirley join the army but uh i think it's more likely before we do that we do josie and the pussycats in space you can buy it on dvd for 25 dollars. okay hmm, maybe we no will. no <laughs> I, I respect our patron but no <laughs> uh well Devin might have to make us do it we'll see okay but, i'll do it for uh, money <laughs> All right, but also on the Ren and Stimpy one, Shy Ranger says, Honestly, I never liked Ren and Stimpy at all in my life. As a kid, I was turned away, and even when I tried again, and even before all the John K stuff, I just couldn't enjoy it at all, despite loving all the shows it clearly inspired. I bring this up because your guys' episodes about Ren and Stimpy are easily my favorites of the ones you do. Maybe it's because I'm so turned away visually that I can appreciate the show more than just when I just hear about it. Maybe it's because there's just so much well-done stuff to hear about. I can love the ingredients even if i don't like the final product and of course maybe there's just so much behind the scenes stuff that i can respect most of the talent behind it especially in the future endeavors on things i like more sorry for such a long comment but point is it's amazing how much i love hearing this show about a show i dislike oh i'm glad you can enjoy it despite not liking the show yeah and i I like i like spreading the gospel and the the truth about ren and snippy where it's not just like oh the one guy did it he's a genius and he left and then it was bad yeah i need to i just for knowledge sake i should watch that documentary but a point that a major point that made in his review of like this film could have finally been the thing about 
how it wasn't just the John K show and the uh, John K did everything and don't talk about anybody else. And they talk to everybody in it. And yet still John K gets to take over the narrative. Yeah. It, like, it just because know. he's involved and he just enchanted the documentarians who just were like, yeah, that's the narrative is the convenient one. Let's go with that. And mm. they, they went with it. But again, I have to watch it too. And I will for sure. And it also sounds like I'm just going by Thad's review, but it also sounds like the game stuff just didn't even matter. Like they're like, nah, we don't yeah, even talk about like, that. Oh, and then there were four more years of cartoons. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Which also that buys into, if you cover that less, you're still probably unknowingly but buying into the john k narrative of like everything sucked after i was gone so if you treat those all as an afterthought even though all these great people worked on some very good episodes of the games cartoons then you're still buying into the john k narrative he's been giving for 27 years that like my show was good until it was ruined by other people yeah i just don't like him uh being part of that at all not at all yeah no. but uh yeah those are all our comments for this month and i'm gonna go get my first haircut in six months i'm so <laughs> excited it's like the world is slightly normal and my hair will be slightly shorter you're gonna get your ears lowered huh? uh, whatever skeeter uh but yeah <laughs> Thank you for listening. Glad you got that. I, yeah. Of course I did. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talk to the Audience. And we will see you again at the end of September or beginning of October, depending on where you are. Later. Wow, infotainment.